today's message in the New Testament comes from 1 Corinthians. It's going a little bit further than we had last week. And when you hear it, sometimes it's an uh, unsettling passage. It certainly is an unsettling passage if you're going to preach on it. But here we go. Listen to God's Word. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved in the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the call, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing things that are. So that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Jesus Christ who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Some of you may be familiar with, I didn't watch it because I knew I wasn't going to be able to beat it, but Back, I don't even know if it's still on, but there was a program called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Do you remember that? I had living proof of that back on my son is 36 now. So back when he was in 10th grade, which was, I mean, fifth grade, which, you know, he was about 10, um, we had gotten our new computer. And I ordered it, thinking I was so smart. I ordered it because I thought the box was cute. It was the very first computer we owned. It was that black and white box from Gateway. Do you remember that? I just knew it was made in Minnesota. I'm sure that's not true. But it had to do with cows. It was my whole big story I had written behind it. And so I was smart enough to buy the premium help plan. We had it for about three weeks and I had to call and after much conversation they said um, Beth can you just mail us back that monitor remember that's when you had the monitor in the tower 
Can you just mail back the monitor? Because what you have done is so complicated to fix that we're just going to ship you a new one and mail us back the old one. I said, okay, got it. So it wasn't much longer after that that yet again I found myself in the study calling the health plan, which I was pretty sure they had my picture up on the wall saying, don't take her call. But um, after about an hour and a half of working with this young man, and he kept saying icon, I kept saying little picture. So that was the first clue, right? He said, are you talking to somebody else in the room? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, I said, my son keeps coming in and out of the study. And he said, how old is he? And I said, he's in fifth grade. And he said, can I work with him instead? <laughs> that is a true story. So I got dumped by my gateway health man because my fifth grader was smarter than I am. And, you know, it's a little bit uh, humbling to have to admit and retell that story, but um, it is true. And it just lays to me, um, how much emphasis our society puts on intelligence, and then this a technical expertise. And it was so too in Paul's day, when Paul was writing this. That's why I explained some of the church members in Corinth weren't very impressed with Paul, to be honest with you. They um, were concerned that Paul didn't speak with a lot of uh, intelligence or eloquence. They rather thought that he was a simpleton. And you know, Paul didn't care. He didn't mind that at all. His goal, after all, was not to show off his intelligence. He says, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to preach Christ crucified. A message that to them seems foolish and a little bit weak. But when we look at this today, we're going to discover it's anything but that. That it is a message of real wisdom. A message that contains true power. The Holy Spirit urges us, it tells us, we should lift high the cross. Not our own intelligence. Not our own expertise. <clears throat> but the message of the cross. And that's our business as Christians. You know, the Greeks were very critical in the day of Paul about Christians. They simply had no use for Christ. They had no use for the cross because they thought if they tried enough, if they tried hard enough, they were going to be able to find their own happiness. That if they just thought it, they could think their way into happiness. The Greeks believed that training the mind and the body, they could get rid of anything undesirable in their life or in their lifestyle. They thought they could achieve a little bit of a godlike status if they could just teach their mind to think that way. 
They were, we have to give them credit. They were great thinkers. They advanced science, they advanced math, they advanced government. A lot of our government was based on what these uh, great philosophers did. But they failed to recognize one thing. That human nature is basically corrupt. We don't want to know it, but that is the truth. They thought they were good enough to overcome, override all of the moral corruption, which still takes place in this world in which we live in. We see it every day. You know, many people believe that the Greeks were really on to something in that way of thinking. I've not read this book, but I was reading about it. It was made into a movie. Some of y'all may know about it. I, I, I really don't, but I know it exists. It was by Rhonda Byrne. And she wrote the book and turned into a movie called The Secret. And it was her way of trying to suggest that if we only had positive thoughts, if we only thought positive things, then good things would happen. It's that feel-good philosophy. You know, but that doesn't really work. If you have a car that is not lined up, you're going to wear out your tires. It's not going to be safe to drive. Trust me, I've been here. You can't just think it with a positive thought into being okay. It's going to require some work. It's going to require you take it to a professional. It's going to require that you put it in the shop. You can think all the nice thoughts you want, but it's not going to be fixed. You want to make yourself a better person. We want, we crave lasting happiness. We do. But because of our sins and the sins of others, our life is always going to be a little bit messy. It's like when you, and I know this for a fact too, because it's happened to me on several occasions, I am a sucker for the Hershey Kisses. <laughs> so I, on occasion, will stick them in my pocket or in my back pocket of my jeans. And I forget they're there and I sit on them and I might turn on the heater in the car, the car seat. I've done that too. And then I have a big mess. And that's what happens. We forget about them and we make a mess. So that's what happens if we ignore our sin, Paul says. You make a mess. So he says, lift high the cross and acknowledge it. Acknowledge what put Jesus on that cross. Acknowledge what made him suffer that rejection. Acknowledge why he went through all that pain and died that cruel death. Acknowledge that it was our rebellious nature. You're thinking, what? This is our problem. What? We're wrong? Oh, I don't think so. 
That's how we think about it. It wasn't me. But we have to go ahead and admit it. But the world is always telling us, don't take the blame. It's got to be somebody else's fault. Think about, I hate this, we have children in the crowd. We have a teenager, young adult. Don't listen to this story. Close your eyes. Cover your ears up. Because as children, we all did as teenagers. Did you not lie to your parents about where you were because your friend asked you to? We've all been there. We've all done it. We've all been mad at a sibling or a good friend and we're a little short with them on the phone because they didn't ask, how are you doing? They didn't ask about us, so we get a little curt with them. We're all guilty of these things. It's because we don't want to be responsible. No, no. It's not on me. I'm not to blame for my own sins. It has to be somebody else. Think about that. Do you actually claim them? We don't want to harbor the negative thoughts about ourselves. We want to live in that feel-good philosophy. We just feel good about it. I'm the last to admit, or the first to admit that, yeah, I do have a, um, I call myself the last Pollyanna. Because I like to think positive. I like to think the pool has been filled when I jumped off the high diving board. Sometimes I find out it's not. But I like feeling good, but I feel good for a reason. I don't have that don't worry, be happy attitude. I have don't worry, be happy because I sit with God. I believe in God. There's a difference. You can afford not to worry greatly when you have turned it over to God because He is going to be the God who makes a way. Because if we don't, if we don't believe in that cross, if we don't acknowledge what that cross means, we're going to be in trouble on Judgment Day. You cannot ignore that you have not put yourself in alignment just like you cannot ignore your car that is not aligned. God's going to make it public and ask us why. Why we didn't do anything about our own alignment. Actually, what he's going to ask us is why didn't you fix your alignment? before you got here. How is your alignment? Have you checked it lately? We all get off kilter a little bit, so I say go back and check it. And we know this. We know what he did for us. We know what he did when he sent Jesus, his son, to be crucified. The message of Christ crucified is not so foolish. 
It's not foolish because it just simply did not sweep our sins underneath the rug. God exposed our sin, revealed his hatred for our sin, and punished his own son on the cross because of our sin. God also demonstrated his great love for us because of the cross. The cross proclaims that our sin has been neutralized, not minimized. There's a difference. The cross is just like that scar that we've all got a scar from stitches or having something removed or having something mended. And when we look at it, we know why we have it. That's exactly what the cross is. We look up and we know why God did what he did. The message of the cross, of the crucifixion, seems so very simple. But it's not. To hear that heaven is now mine because of everything that Jesus did sounds a little bit like those phone calls you've all gotten them. You're a winner. And you go, oh yes, it's Publishers Clearinghouse. They finally called. But there's always a catch in there. You've won a million dollars, but could you please send us 10000 so that we can send it to you. There is always a catch. So there must be a catch to this message of Christ crucified. But there's not. Our sins are forgiven. Heaven is ours. Sounds so simple. We just believe it. But that is the message that the world still scoffs at. Some of y'all know this better than I do. You're on the front lines. You meet them at school. You meet them in difficult places. Through mission work, through your jobs, wherever people are still scoffing at this message of what the Bible claims. So how do we teach these people? How do we reach these people? How do you convince them of the truth? Paul tells us it's simple. Lift high the cross because the cross contains the power of salvation. In other words, what he's telling us is that through the message of the cross that the Holy Spirit changes the attitudes and hearts of God's children. We may confess with our mouth and voice the Holy Spirit uses the cross alone to convict and then convince Sinners of the truth. Do we really believe this? Or do we think we would be better off if we lifted high my own knowledge, my own intelligence? 
So we wonder if there is a better way to convince people of the truth. Is there a better way to convince people of the truth than just using God's Word? We do it all the time. We, I do it all the time. We analyze our programs. We critique our worship service. I do it every Sunday. I sit down and I go, oh, could we have done this better? Could I have done this better? Could I have had a better message? Did I reach people? Last Sunday, I thought I was reaching people. Y'all were looking at Herman. We had a riot, by the way. Pam, did you see him again? Pam was, Pam was nudging Terry during uh, the song, and I was like, did we have another riot? So, oh, okay. Marilyn's shaking her hand, yes, okay. But we wonder, what could we be doing to reach people? What endeavors do we need to take on? Do we need a bigger sanctuary? Should we put a flashing neon sign down here on 43? Would that help? Should we take out some advertisements in the paper and let them know that we're here on Sundays? What else do we need to do besides the message of Christ on the cross. But that's where our salvation is contained. It is in the power of the cross. Birch Chapel, for over 200 years, I believe you have been lifting high the cross of Jesus. You sitting there say, well, what do we have to show for our efforts? If we've been doing that, what do we have to show? Do we need to change our tactics? Maybe there's another part of God's Word that needs to be emphasized besides the power of the cross. Maybe our pastor doesn't need to be preaching Christ crucified. Because obviously that's not going to give us explosive growth in this church. So why do we do it? We lift high the, high the cross to give glory to God. Because that's his plan of salvation for us. It's truly, really the only message that's going to change hearts. It won't be our clever programs. It won't be outstanding marketing efforts. So I don't apologize. You think about this. What should I be preaching? I don't apologize for preaching Christ crucified. Sometimes Satan gets in my head it says, oh, Beth, here you go again. You're just telling them the same thing this week, but in a different way. Well, yes, yes, I am. That's all I can say. Yes, I am. Because I lift high the cross. I try every day. Every time I stand here, I don't take it lightly. That is the message. You may think 
The message of the cross is simple. Maybe foolish. But the word of God tells us. This word told us. It is not foolish. It is stronger. It is more powerful than anything we can come up with. So I will continue to lift high the cross. Because Paul tells us the very last part of this passage. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Lift high the cross. Amen. Amen.